It is a common sentiment and has been for centuries that many people are homesick for a home they're not even sure exists. I would like to suggest that the reason that so many people are homesick for this home and that we haven't been able to find it is because it's not lost. We just haven't built it yet. All right, and this is Hyperborean Radio Uncensored. I'm Celtic God. That was the Lorekeeper. We're going to do some talking today. And the the conversation, if you haven't figured out by the title and by the intro, it's going to be homes. Mm-hmm. And the, let's say, the pagan sphere, the people pursuing a, a, a mm-hmm. ethnic way. There's a few words that gets flung around that they're not quite sure what, what they mean. And these words are Heim and Hoth. So like Helheim, Svartalheim, all the other Heims. Heim means home. Oh yeah, it's it's hell home. It's uh, dark elf home, elf home, or rather, it's hell's home. Yes, dark elf's home, dwarf's home, which I think is the same place, so on and so forth. And another one is Hoff. Hoff has been polluted by neo pagans. Neo means new, and pagans means pagans. But they've changed the word to mean shrine or altar when we look shrine or temple, right? Because we actually looked up the definitions on these words to verify that we're actually 100% correct. But Hoff means house. House can also mean home. They're two separate concepts. Everybody knows a house does not make a home or a home is uh, your house and home are not necessarily the same place. We understand this, but they can also be the same place. And really, they should be when things are done right. And that's kind of the point of what we're going to be talking about. Here's one of the most important things I think people can agree on is what we just mentioned, which is a house and a home while they're supposed to be roughly the same thing, everyone knows they're not. Kind of the way that it's been described before is the man builds the house. You know, he takes the timber, he builds the, the shack, he builds the log cabin, he takes the mortar, he makes the he makes the building. You know, like... He the, builds the house. Yeah, like the birds. I made a pretty nest for you. Right. But it's the, um, the woman, typically. The woman and the family and the memories and the environment and sort of for lack of a better term, the metaphysical feeling of the home that actually makes it more than just a box you live in. Mm -hmm. And most people these days, they live in boxes. They do their best, but most people, there's this feeling that they're never really at home. Like they're always kind of rootless. And no matter how fancy the box is, no matter how many interior decorators you get, no matter how much stuff you get, that stuff doesn't make a house a home. That's why my house feels so empty because it's not a home and what we need to do is we need to learn that lesson and start making homes even if you live by yourself in a studio apartment it needs to become a home a a place of belonging well and part of the reason this is so important to ethnic ways ethnic faith is simply put the home is the epicenter of pretty much every custom I mean, if you think about it, all the traditions, all the customs that have continued on throughout the millennia are usually ones that take place at home. You know, all the all the family traditions, all of the rites of passage, all the heirlooms are kept, all these sorts of things. So when you take away the home, when all you have is a box that you live in, there's always going to feel like something's missing on a personal level, just period. You're going to feel like something's missing. Well, and this notion is even reaffirmed by some historic texts. Side note, the word historical doesn't exist. It's historic or not historic. But this notion is even reaffirmed in some historic texts where, uh, I don't know, Hero goes and he finds the grand hermit of the hermitage and then he follows him into his cave and takes a seat inside of the hermit's wonderful home. It might just be a hole in the in the side of the cliff face, but he made it a home and it's warm and it's comfortable and so on and so forth. These statements have been made over and over and over again. Our people have understood it's not the space that you live inside of. It's what you make of it. Well, and one of the interesting phenomenons when it comes to homes is everybody has that feeling. Well, at least among our people, like you go up to someone's house, right? If you don't know, you might even know the person, but if you've never been to their house, it is, Common courtesy to kind of stop in the doorway and wait for them to invite you inside. Mm -hmm. The vampire. The vampire cannot enter the home (laughs) without being invited. That's us. Yes, the vampire is only polite. Right. But 
basically what it is is because I've had this happen where I will go to someone's house and wait to be invited inside, you know, be polite. And then when I'm inside, I can actually feel their homes to get a little weird about it. You can yeah. feel the energy. Yes. The, it, it's almost is like it something sad? in the air. Is it happy? Well, and it's something that only the people that don't live there can feel. The people that live there notice when it's not there. Mm-hmm. It's the feel of home, but it's not your feel of home. So it feels a bit different. There's something there. And you can feel when you walk into somebody else's home versus just walking into a house. Oh, yeah. If you just walk into a it's like an abandoned building. Nobody bats an eye that if you walk into a bat in an abandoned building, there's no feeling. Maybe there might be some some right. Like it's dark and spooky or it just feels empty or creepy, but it doesn't feel like a home. It's a completely different feeling. And the most traditions, like I said, actually go around the home like it actually used to be really common. This is going to sound a bit odd, but for people to bury their dead in the home. Mm-hmm. They would bury them. Ben- the honored ones. Yes, the honored ones. Not everybody, of course, because then you start having some. Right. Some there there come, becomes logistical issues at that point. Yes. But it's it's like we've discussed in the mounds podcast, how a lot of the burial mounds were probably actually old school houses that were just basically closed up. Yeah. Closed up because the honored dead are in there. Or you also have a situation like in the deep south of the United States. You used to have people who would bury their dead. In the floorboards or into in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Before it was banned. Yeah. And it used to be there were places of great honor to be buried in the house. Like, interestingly enough, the hearth and the threshold. Yes. Two of the most important places. And it's not that our people don't step on the threshold, but I've, I've watched. Like, just stood and people watched. Hyperboreans really consistently will step across the threshold. Non-hyperboreans seem to not have an issue. Like, we will stutter step. Do not step on the threshold. Non-hyperboreans, on the other hand, don't seem to have this issue. So, thinking about it, well, why? Because sometimes there's the honored dead under the threshold. You don't step on top of them. You cross across them, yes, but you don't stop it. You don't trot on them. And that's the difference. It's not that you can't, like, uh, I don't know, at a graveyard. You can stand on the grave. It's, it's perfectly fine. But you're not trotting on them. You're not just blah, going about your business and just walking. Yeah, no jumping, no doing cardio on the uh, graves. Well, even then, if you're, I guess it kind of uh, depends on the intention. Well, I mean, we used to have picnics and it used to be a tradition to sleep on the uh, the graves. Yeah. And this actually translates, if you go far enough back, sleeping on the mounds. Hmm. Wonder if there's a connection there. I figure. <laughs> but. There's all these elements among the home, and a lot of it comes down to family. It comes down to sort of that familiarity. Right. Well, and again, I know a lot of us are single uh, and or haven't built families yet. I hope yet is the operative word. It doesn't mean that you have to have a full family to have a home. Remember in the intro, I was talking about the hermit's home. The hermit lives by himself, but yet he can have a home. Yes, it's not necessarily requires a family, but that really does help. It does. Well, and easy mode. Yes. Family is the easy mode. The woman's or at least it's supposed to be. Well, the man makes it easy to build it. The woman makes it easy to fill it. The family, the whole family makes it easy to get that feeling spread further. But you can also feel when a home is the exact opposite. When it's inhospitable, when everyone who's living there is just... When they all hate each other. Yes, you can feel that when you enter the home. Almost like you just can't wait to get out of there. Like, I don't want to be here. Even if they're putting on the the happy face. Yes. You can feel that the house itself is angry, sad, disappointed. Right. So what we need to do, whether, we, whether we're single, whether we just have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, children, no children... The place that we live, we need to bear in mind the idea of home. Who are we? How do we interact with each other? What makes what makes my place welcome? And, and be welcoming, not just to strangers, but to each other. We need to do this to create a home. Well, and that's the other thing is part of what makes a home is that it's it's not just your oasis away from everything else. It's interconnected with everything else. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain line with homes where you don't want to. 
Like there used to be taboos about what you could and couldn't do at home. Like one of them might be do not have, uh, do not bring work home. Like it's actually really common for people to work out of their house now. Even if they don't actually work from home, they'll mm-hmm. bring work home with them and end up spending hours, well, yeah. you're, hours you're and hours. You're talking about the don't do work in the living space. Yes, you don't do work in the living space. That's you, why the work shed. Yeah, that's why the work shed. That's why, oh, if you're going to do that, go do it on the, the patio. Go do it on the deck. Right, which is not saying that if you sell, I don't know, crocheted blankets, not to crochet in the house, it's... The home is more important if you're neglecting family duties, I guess, and, and which includes just interaction. Just hello, how are you, and conversation. Well, if you're neglecting that to uh, um, knit or quilt or whatever for the blanket, you're no, don't do that. Have a workspace that's separate from from the home, uh, an outdoor shed. Sometimes this would have been done on the porch. Most likely in the backyard because most work sheds, if you look, you go back even to the 1950s and look, the workspaces were set up behind the home. So that you wouldn't even necessarily look at it from the front yard. Right. And it's not to hide it. It's because the home is supposed to be inviting. The home is supposed to be welcoming. Come visit. Come spend time. Well, it's if your... there's work there to be done, well, now work takes the priority over the home. Yes, but then you have the work shed, then you have the patio, then you have the deck. Right, which was typically put in the back. Well, and most families would typically work together. Right. So, like, you're out in the farm. You have your 10-year-old son, your 8-year-old daughter. If nothing else, they're fetching water for you. Mm-hmm. And it's because families used to be more interconnected. I mean, it's one of the biggest cultural changes is the idea that children are now a burden. It's it's broadcast all the time. Whereas in the past, if you had children, it meant you had more people to help, more people to raise. More well, pe- and wonderful children because people don't talk that way anymore. Now they just talk about what a burden children are as opposed to what a gift they are. They used to talk about how great their children were. Even if they weren't necessarily the best, they, they might acknowledge that. But they also, and I wouldn't give them up for the world. Oh yeah, they, My they, son, he's a total terror, but I wouldn't give him up for the world. Well, and it's really the whole of the world nowadays. That sentiment I started the, the show with is common. Mm-hmm. It's not just in the pagan sphere. It's not just in the quote-unquote broader ethnic sphere. It's quite literally almost everywhere. Right. Almost everyone feels that way. Well, and a lot of people, they try to make a home. Let's give credit where credit's due. They're trying to make a home. That's why they buy the big TV. That's why they buy the super surround sound, deep bass, realistic stereo system speakers. That's why they buy this wonderful couch and why they buy. And notice the trend. They're buying, they're buying, they're buying. It's not the things. No. uh, Things do not make a home. No, they don't. A, A home makes a home. Well, and you can have a home with nothing in it. Yeah. I I mean, really, it's a legit thing. Like, it's a sparse home, but it feels welcoming and warm. These are things that used to be said. Well, I mean, it's actually, it's something we used to value as a culture. Like, not even too long ago. Because I'll use an example from, let's go with The Simpsons. There's an episode where there's a bunch of plot stuff, but basically what ends up happening at the very end is everything in The Simpsons' home is taken. They take the 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 sofa, they take the TV, they take the bedroom, they take the toys, and all they have left is the house. Except for one thing. Everyone's kind of sitting around kind of being sad that this happened. And then Marge comes in, she, they're like she's like, "Oh, they didn't take everything. They forgot this washcloth." <laughs> and then they start playing a game with the washcloth and everyone's laughing and having fun. It's because even without all of the stuff there's still a home there. Yeah. And, and we need to make homes. Now, I, I kind of want to pull this into, it's a trend that we've seen where people are building hoffs for some of the gods. I don't want to talk about what they're doing wrong. What I want to do is talk about if we're going to be building houses, homes for the gods in Midgard and in our realm, in the mortal realm, how do we do it? What does this mean? 
Does it mean putting up an empty box with a fancy sign in it? Or does it mean making a home? Making a home for the gods to be welcome in. Like, we, we, we made this for you. Please come spend time here. And then how do you make it that way? Do you do it with, I don't know, freaking altars and carving symbols into the walls? Or do you do the thing that the god is associated with? Well, we've talked about this before. The gods are an extended family. So it's basically the equivalent of inviting great, 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 great grandma, grandpa over because you love them. So do you do that by trying to bribe them or do you do that by making them feel welcome? Maybe, maybe we build a house for grandma and we put in pews and a talking stand. I forget what the talking stand is called. Uh, the, I forget actually, but is, is that what we do? do? Do we put up a big picture of grandma behind the talking stand and then have rows of benches all set out? Is that, is that how we do it? When we build a house for mom, dad, brother, grandmother, no, we don't do that. That's stupid, and we know it. Well, like, for instance, let's go with a, a goddess of the orchard. So you have, like, Idun, you have, like, Pomona, gods like that. Where would they feel most welcome? Where would maybe you have an orchard? Maybe all you have is a fruit tree, but it's something that the gods might actually appreciate. Well, and it doesn't have to be a building. Like, like you're pointing out the trees. You don't have to build a building around the fruit tree. Well, m- most gods actually... For the longest time we had, there were sacred sites or holy sites, mm-hmm. but what, which were also quite often, by the way, in England, still called hoffs, even yes. if they were outside, no roof, no walls. It was still called a hoff. But you did have groves, groves of trees. A sacred grove isn't necessarily like a national park. It can be a small cluster of trees, but the shoot, it can be one tree. Yes. Well, I mean, usually there was one special tree, and then it usually just ends up being there's other trees Wait, around it. They just didn't kill the other trees. Well, yeah, because the special tree, the important tree, might actually have a bunch of other trees that are valuable around it. Like, Hearn's Oak was Hearn's Oak, but the other trees around Hearn's Oak are also valuable because they help protect. And they, they help are strengthen. also Hearn's Oak. Yes, they are also part of this area that's sacred to Hearn. Right. So it's not necessarily the one tree. It, it is. But it also is But it's isn't. also not. It's also the culmination of all these other trees. So for a dune, if I was to build a a hof, a heim for a dune, so a fruit tree, an orchard, I, I might even put up a building there to like process the fruit or um, to sell it. Like a baked goods stand. Get yeah. your apple cider donuts. Your, your, um, your, what are those called? The small farmer's market like a small farmer's market something like that that would actually be knowingly or not a home made for the orchard goddess well that's i think something a lot of people because most universalist religions have sacred buildings but these buildings often as not are simply religious temples Mm -hmm. they're they're not They don't even necessarily have much to do with the God. Well, it's weird because it's like a religious temple minus the religion and the temple. Yes. (laughs) But because it is, it has to do with the God. But religion, the religion implies, you know, rigid structure and the intent of we are we are doing this for the God. Uh, That's true, but it's also mostly not true. And then the temple is like this sacred space of which we have. Uh, sprinkled water about and said some prayers which made it a holy place well that's mostly not true but it is also true it can be the building but it doesn't have to be the building well and and it doesn't have to require sprinkling around special water and chanting prayers well and that's the gods are everywhere Mm -hmm. there we actually already build sacred sites to them i mean people have even commented on this um like the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many people have been there, but there's a giant mosaic to Minerva in there. Well, it's quite comf- uh, it's quite commonly referred to as a temple. Yes, and it's effectively a temple to Minerva, to the gods of knowledge and wisdom and learning and stuff like that, and history and all these other things. And the priests are the librarians, the caretakers, the, the janitors. Well, and then would you do a, a library, if that's, if that's how people think of a temple? Would you do a library necessarily for, I don't know, Uller? Let's go with another well-known god. Or would you probably do a, something that where a you... A rifle s- range. A rifle range. Or actually, there's a 
there's Uller Fest in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's a ski festival, and everybody yeah. gets kind of wild and silly like everybody does, and there's a giant statue to Uller that they built specifically because they like Uller. Uller's cool. He's they actually he's the god. They view him as the god of snow, so you can get really good snowboarding, really good skiing. So would it be a building? I mean, I guess there's a ski lodge on it, but right. is the ski lodge actually the thing? Or is it more the area to ski, the area to hunt, the area to and have honestly, a biathlon? Honestly, I would say it's all of it combined. The ski lodge itself, without the skiing, without the games, without all that other stuff, it's just a building. Well, and then but if, all the other stuff, it, while it has more meaning than just a building, it's also lacking the home part of it because where do you go to get comfortable? Now, you don't have to have the building. What you could have is a gathering space where, I don't know, a fire is maintained where people can get comfortable and warm again to go back out and play the games. Well, and I think part of homes, much like for whether for the gods or for people, they kind of happen on accident because it's like most people don't, even though they will intentionally buy a house, the moment the house becomes a home is almost indescribable. You don't know the you exact You don't notice moment. it until it's not there anymore. Yes. And it's happens so gradually, you don't necessarily notice it. In the same token, you can't, this would make things so much easier, but you can't just plant an oak for Hearn and say this is now a sacred oak to Hearn. No, it's just an oak tree. Yeah, it's and not you have plug to and like play, Hearn. unfortunately. Yes, it, same thing with like a yew tree for Uller. Uller is associated with the yew. Yeah. You can't just plant a yew tree on yeah. a mountain and, and be you, like. You can plant these trees, but you don't have to plant the trees. But planting the tree itself is not enough. It's. It's complex, and yet it's just simple. It's so simple, people are, are looking past the obvious answer, looking for something more complicated. Well, and we need to stop doing that. Well, in, there, in America, at least, there's a lot of really well-known trees. They're not necessarily sacred to a god, technically, but they're, they're valuable. They're, they're viewed with a certain level of reverence, like the angel oak, uh, Methuselah pine, a bunch of the redwoods. They're treated with that sort of thing. And it, how do they end up that way? They just kind of did. Mm-hmm. There's not like a specific reasoning for it. And that's sort of the thing is these things. Care. They're not. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what we're getting at. Yeah, it's is the care is is what makes the difference. It's not the doing of the thing that is part of it, but it's not the thing. The care. That's what makes the thing. Well, and I think that's why. No matter where you go, it seems like you're not at home. Like, where do you go when a house isn't a home anymore? Where is your refuge? And everybody, yeah, everybody's lost. Even if they're together, they're still lost because there isn't a home. And one way to fix it, like, I am all for making Hoffs, Heims, whatever it is that you would, temples. I don't give a shit what you call it for the various gods, for the people. But we need to start with making homes for ourselves. And it doesn't matter if it's in a cardboard box or a freaking mansion. There's no prerequisite for what the home has to be. It can be inside your car. But that's your home. I hope that makes sense to people. Well, we change how we make homes and houses all the time. But the feeling is always going to stay the same. And I think that's... I think really that is what's causing people to feel this sort of complete lack of a home, of somewhere of roots, Mm -hmm. because I'm not the only one that's had that experience where it's like, I don't know where my home is. I don't know. I don't. It's not even just because you'd think, okay, it's a diaspora thing. Well, I know where my house is, but where's my home? Is it overseas? Is it where? yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's why a lot of Americans start thinking, well, maybe if I just go to Europe, then I'll feel at home. But that that attitude, that idea of uh, homesickness for a home that you're not even sure exists, not only is it also present in Europeans, but it's also present through the last few centuries. There's poems, there's laments for something that they're not sure exists. And it's been going on for centuries. It's nothing new. Right, since we've been cut off from our nature. Yes, and it, of course, probably what it is, is it's the people that aren't necessarily the rural folk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, well, you got to move out to the country. That's when you'll have a home. No, no, no. No, it's just 
people in urban areas tend to be cut off from who we are and our traditions that much faster. And as a result, they feel less and less at home. And who's typically the people that get published poetry and books. Well, and I have evidence for that not being the solution. Because a lot of people, they, they just want that, that singular solution. Get out of the city and move to the country. And then you'll have a home. You'll have blah, blah, blah. This isn't necessarily the case. And, and I have evidence to, to support this. There are a lot of people that move from the city to the rural countryside, and then they move back to the city. And not because they couldn't afford to live in the countryside, because usually they go there, they have a lot of resources and whatnot. So that's not the issue. The issue is, is they're still lost. They go there and they still feel empty. They're pursuing something in a physical location that doesn't exist in a physical location. Well, I think that's that's part of the main issue is people are viewing home in the same way they would view a homeland mm-hmm. is it's they think they're thinking of physical space, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's a metaphysical state of being Woo-woo yeah. moment of the day. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a better word for it. I, it's true. Well, it, it is simply true. It, it is a it is a thing. It is very real, but it doesn't physically exist. It can't physically exist well and this is part of the reason this is so important is it's not just that homes are important to our mental social well-being it's also important to our spiritual Mm well-being and again well when you're such a spiritual people as we are everything when everything is spiritual it might it begins to appear to the outsider that nothing is spiritual. Oh yeah, it used to be commented on, especially by the northern tribes, because that's when we have writings, that from the Romans' perspective, the northern tribes were atheists until they started interacting with them more, and they're like, oh no, everything they do is spiritual. And it wasn't because they went to the river and they were like, oh great river god, thank you for your bounty. Uh, for for going to the river fishing, I must place the red dot upon my forehead when I go. When I go swimming, it becomes a blue dot. And then I will place the green dot on my forehead when I go pick flowers. That's not at all what it was. It's just literally every action that they did was a spiritual action. Whether it's it's running and playing or hunting, fishing, hugging a loved one, changing a dirty diaper. It's all a spiritual action. Well, and this is home. That's well, home. Yes, and I think... It's also part of what's causing families to fall apart is there's not homes. Why stick around if all you're going to do is bicker with your family in a place that you not only doesn't feel like a home, but sometimes feels like it's almost attacking well, you, and it's holding bickering you for the sake of bickering. So it's not disagreement mm-hmm. because that, that's like the modern view. It's well, discord. Yeah. Discord for discord's sake is what will break a home. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to even yell at each other if that's what's required. So long as you're working towards an understanding. But to fighting just for the sake of fighting just sows discord. That's well, and, what breaks a home. Well, and here's a little bit of proof for anyone who's like, well, I don't know about that. Professional fighters can have homes. Professional fight uh, warriors can have homes. They quite literally make a living of training to fight, training to kill. Mm-hmm but they can have homes. It's not the fighting. It's the reason behind it. Intent matters. Yeah. And I, I think there's also the, the impermanence of homes is also part of what makes it hard. And it's not that you can't move and then make a new home, but having to do it over and over again makes it feel a bit less rentals. Yes. Rentals or, uh, cause even if you own property nowadays, it's a rental because if you default on property taxes, it's yeah. a, so effectively what you're doing it is becomes hard to allow a place. And that that's actually a good point. It becomes hard to allow a place to become a home because you don't want to lose the home. So there, there, uh, there's that baseline of fear of losing the home before even trying to build a, before trying to build a home that fear under undercuts it is counterproductive to making a home. Well, and it's the same thing that happens to people that move around a lot. They start, thinking they can't really have a friend because I put all this work in. And then by the time we're just starting to be friends, I got to move to, I don't know, uh, Philadelphia. Right. So it just, even with social media, it just becomes increasingly empty. And it's, it's not 
just family. Family is the core, but it's also friends. And then when you have, I don't know, uh, the the Smith family and the Miller family, and they're really good friends. Well, so and then, real friends are family. Yes, real friends are which, part of the kith and kin. It, it, it's why most people don't even have friends anymore. What they have is associates. Uh, 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 acquaintances. Acquaintances. They don't have friends because a friend is a serious matter. They have become family where even if you disagree with them, you do family things with and for them. Well, and it's part of the reason why it used to be. This is a bit of a, a U-turn, but why ghosts used to actually be welcome. Yes. Like if you had a ghost, it meant oh, it was actually kind of a status symbol. That's it, why there's so many haunted houses in England, for instance. Because it's a status symbol to have a ghost. Well, because it means that your family home is so well-liked that the people didn't want to go to the meadow of the ancestors. They wanted to hang around with you. Right. They wanted to hang around in the home. That's what it once was, yes. And then that's also like house spirits, fairy godmothers. Or that they left godmothers. the meadow of the ancestors just to come hang out with you. Well, and that's that's the other thing is the home is the the place where most people end up interacting with the, the quote-unquote broader spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone knows Othan is want, is a traveler. He goes from house to house. He typically is a city god, but he'll go out and he'll visit and he'll ch test your hospitality. He's doing this to see if your house is really a home or if you're just putting a front up. And he's not the only god that does this. Frau Hala will do this. Uh, Rubazol will do this. Uh, Old Man of the Mountain, to use the non-insulting name. Right. And on and on and on and on. And sometimes they'll... They might appear as a cat. Sometimes they might appear as a a beggar, a, um, a bird, or a, a dog that needs help. The random child. Well, like uh, someone I knew, she had. Uh, she and I were talking, and I told her about Frau Hala. And Frau Hala has a tendency to be associated with cats, specifically white cats, and especially white cats with uh, two different colored eyes. Mm -hmm. She got really, really excited, and then she showed me a picture. Of this cat that keeps coming around to her area. It was a snow white cat with a blue and a yellow eye. Mm -hmm. And she got really excited like, oh my gosh, Frau Hall is visiting me. Now, whether or not that was happening or if it was just a complete coincidence that the very cat I described happened to be showing up to her place. I'll let you decide. Well, and here's my thing is people building hoffs for the gods. Why would why would it? Okay. If you can't make your own home. How the hell can you make a home for the gods? Well, it's like for any of them. Well, like a lot of people, like if they don't even want family visiting where they live. Right. So if you don't even want like your immediate relatives, your divine ones probably aren't going to show up either. Right. We understand there are extenuating circumstances. Yes, there are circumstances and we understand that. But if you can't make a home for yourself, how how can you make a home for uh, I, I don't know, Lou or the Dogda. How could you even hope to make a home for them if you can't make one for yourself? We need to make homes for ourselves first. And then we, you know, understanding the gods would really help too. Like taking a CADD and putting the home that you built for them in the middle of the desert. That doesn't sound like No, a good not plan. unless you're expecting some reverse Atlantis moment any second. Right. <laughs> but uh, like, for instance, Njord, he's a well-known deity. He is quite literally called the Lord of the High Timbered Temple, which basically is a euphemism for a shipyard, a dock. Mm -hmm. He is a god of, of sailing. He's a god of ships. He's a god of fishing. If you have a dock, like let's say you have a do an old dock where you live mm -hmm. and no one's really taking care of it. So you fix it up. You fix it up. You make it nice again. You let you have ships come back. And then I don't know. You just you fix it up. So you get to rename it. It's now Njord's Dock, or Njord's Dock, if you want to use, because I think uh, they call him Njord in, Njor, in, in Norwegian. the actual pronunciation. But, um, but then you've made somewhere where, who knows, Njord is supposed to show up on a magic boat sometimes fishing. Right. So, who knows, maybe that old man fishing off the, off the dock is just an old man. Or maybe, maybe he's newer. Well, because that's actually a really common thing to show up is the old man fishing with like ancient wisdom or whatever. Right. And that that's how these things should be done. If you're going to make hoffs and, and uh, I do encourage it. But honestly, I don't think that most people are ready for it yet. 
they wouldn't know what to do with it. They would turn it into a church rather than what it actually is. Um, so, yeah, if if you as many of these are they're done on accident, they're done on accident, um, like a, a hop for New York, a home for New York. And they end up doing exactly what you what you said. There's this old dilapidated dock. They they now have the property rather than putting up a new dock necessarily. They repair the old one and then they they just allow people to start doing dock things there. Go ahead. You can fish off from that dock. Yeah, you can pull your boat up to the dock. Um, They might ask for some help in maintenance or something. But the point isn't the money. The point is the dock and the interaction. That's the difference between a business and a Hoff as well. Well, it's, it's not that you can't accept money and gifts. Well, it's the difference the between a community and an economy. Yes. There's nothing wrong with buying, I don't know, uh, baked goods from Susie because she makes the best Rice Krispie treats yeah, or whatever. She may not even ask for anything in return. But you know what? I really like your what, what, what was the example? Rice Krispie treats. Those are a classic. I really love the Rice Krispie treats that you make. And I, I've had a few of them here. Have 20 bucks or I just hit the lotto for a thousand bucks here. Have a hundred dollars. Because I love your Rice Krispie treats. Well, and it's the intention. The intention is what matters. It's the difference between an economy and a community is intention. Yeah. Is our, and it, it's, this is the other thing that's causing a lot of problems, which is also why, like, you and me, we get kind of uncomfortable when we're like, hey, we have a T-shirt. Right. <laughs> it's because we don't want this to be an economy. We want it to be a community. Right. Or when we advertise patron or uh, buy me a book. There's our plugs. It actually kind of makes us uncomfortable. We aren't charging for what it is that we're doing, but the income does really help. It's actually allowed us to expand a little bit thanks to everybody that has helped us out in that way. Um, and thanks to even people that haven't. Oh, the, just, the just a kind word, around. a share, yes. a thank you, you're doing good work. These things matter. And it's because really we're trying to give this stuff back to our people as a gift and we're trying to build community not economy economy i almost said consumerism (laughs) that's that's the exact (laughs) opposite that's even worse (laughs) economy at least is a kind of a necessity right but it's it's like if you have a private forest and it's just yours it's mine it's mine 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 it's going to lose power because you're just taking, you're taking, you're taking, taking you're taking, 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 you're not yeah. giving back to the forest. It's the same thing that happens to a lot of the national parks, like the redwoods. Everyone wants to see the redwoods. But everyone's disappointed when they see the redwoods because so many people have gone there. And even though it's a public space, nobody's given back. People are taking so many people are taking that the energy they're of there, what they're taking in the scenery, they're taking pictures, they're taking, but they're not giving. And as a result, the trees have lost all their power. And I think that's part of the issue across the board is everybody is they're tr- They're so they don't trust people and I don't blame them. I have been burned a lot of times. Oh, yeah. Trust is a hard exercise currently. Yes. But we have to be able to trust people. And honestly, there it's like we said, the intention matters. There's a, I think he's a Swedish guy. And this was a few years ago. There was a big economic downturn. I think it was in the 2008 recession period. I'm not sure if that hit the Nordic countries quite as much as it did the U S but he realized that their currency was going to take a hit. So he decided to help his community out. He would create a new currency called the clover. And what it was, was it was backed by the honey from his bees. And because honey is non-perishable, but there's a limited amount. It created a steady currency that helped them bolster through the economic crisis. Mm -hmm. That was a gift he gave his people. And it was a brilliant gift. And it's those little things, those moments, they can take any form, but that's what makes a community. That's what makes a home. That's what makes people want to be somewhere. I mean, it's like that one line, um, a human community, if it's, if it's to exist, must keep must produce a sort of centrifugal force keeping people history and soil in place this humanity has no more important goal than this no more important quest I, I, i'm paraphrasing the quotes better but it's a really good sentiment 
it's not trapping people. It's wanting people, having people want to be there, want to use the dock, want to fish the lake, want to tend to the forest. Right, not want, need to. Yes, and I'm not against private property by any means. Oh, no. I'm actually all for it. Let's, let's talk about our wildest dreams. Our wildest dreams is we get a windfall and we get a million, million, billion, trillion, gazillion, jillion dollars, and we buy up all this land and then allow people to camp and hunt and hike on it. Live on it sometimes. Yeah, we, yeah. And it could be uh, fresh but land. Allow or- people to actually use it without asking permission. I know there's a bunch of people, the legalities, and that's the issue. Why is this a thing? Why is it to the point where you're terrified of having anyone on property where you can't even see the end of it? And then really, it doesn't matter if it's like I said, you can get a ghost town, fix that up. Mm -hmm. But it's it's like a dying town. People can tell there used to be something there. It's melancholic. It's despairing. It's there used to be something here, something beautiful and you saw bunches of dying towns. You come from an area where there's bunches of dying towns and they're. They're sad. They're sad that you don't really want to be there. Most of the young people have fled because there's nothing there for them. So this entire town with its own history, its own culture is dying. And it's not, again, it, it from an American perspective, they might think it's only an American thing. It's happening in Europe. It's happening it's all happening over. everywhere. Even in lands not ours, there's dying towns. But to pull this back to the million, jillion, gadillion dollars <laughs> uh, and all that land and allowing people to to camp and hike and potentially live on it just because um, that would be a hoff to like Hearn or Robin Hood that that would be what that is whether I intended it that way or not the the hunter the 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 wild brigand <laughs> Robin Hood yeah and that's actually most of these places they're created on accident. It's difficult to do it on purpose. Well, and the thing is, is a lot of people think that forests thrive without people. This isn't true. We are stewards of the forest. The forest is also our home. It's our forest home. Yeah. Ask anybody that actually spends a lot like this is their living dealing with the forest. What happens when a forest goes untouched? It dies. It chokes itself to death. Yes. It's like, um, it's almost like if you I don't have a good example of this, but it's let's go with a dog. One of those dogs that unfortunately got bred to the point where it can't stop or no sheep. Sheep's a good example. The sheep that we've bred to just endlessly grow hair until they can't even walk because it's so matted and everything. Right. That's what happens to the forest if people don't tend to it. But if people tend to it, if they selectively cut, yeah, it, we they don't selectively need to take tend. all the wool off from the poor sheep. Just enough. Just of it. enough. And the same with the trees, the same with the forest. And these allow the forest to get older. They allow the forest to get these thick, huge trees that we love. Well, and that, I thought it was just Americans who taught this. But then upon talking to Europeans, I found out, no, everybody's taught this. Uh, what is that? The uh, one with the famous pictures, the Black Forest. Oh, yeah. And they're like, untouched for hundreds of years. Lie. That is a lie. They are lying to you all. It has. It is very much touched. What they're not doing is just cutting down trees for the sake of cutting down trees what they're doing is there has anybody noticed a lack of you know three feet of dead limbs on the ground in any of the pictures of the black forest because that's what that's what happens trees constantly drop limbs well and then they build up they get thick well and then you have a lot of fungi and then you have a lot of like brambles and it just becomes suffocating nothing lives in it no bugs it will literally no tr- kill itself no animals no birds it dies it and it dies well, and, and it's it's natural for that to happen it is part of the the the, the cycle. life cycle of the forest that i've talked about before is it starts out young and healthy and then it grows and it flourishes and it thrives and then it dies but we and then that cycle begins again but we're able to elongate that prime period yes. where we can truly thrive in it where it's our forest home And that's another thing that I think gets forgotten is every uh, the whole thing is meant to be a home. Mm -hmm. So when we take care of the forest, that becomes a feeling of home as well. And then because these forests get older, the uh, the land spirits or whatever you want to say, they get older, they get more mature. It's like uh, one of my favorite forest spirits is the leshy. The leshy, the bigger and broader its forest, which 
indicates that humans have interacted with it because we're the ones that allow them to get that big and strong and large and healthy. The leshy at the very edge of its forest, it's as tiny as an insect and you can't even see it basically, but it gets to the heart of its forest and if the forest is big enough, the leshy will turn into this great shadow creature that seems to fade into the sky and its eyes twinkle like stars. Shadow creature in a good way. Yes. Not, not the scary poop yourself way. Well, uh, more like, yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a positive way. And that's the thing is these spirits, these things, they thrive with our interaction. Humanity is not a negative. We are... Yeah, no matter how much society tells you that you suck, you don't suck. And if you do, just stop sucking. Well, and basically what's happened right now is because we don't even have a home, like just the home, the house that is a home. We're not able to make the sidewalk, the, the common park area feel like home. We're constantly on guard. We don't have the community. And Who from, are you? Why are you? What yes. are you doing? Yes. And then the forest itself would also be an extension of home. I've gone into these woods. This is where I picnicked with my loved one. This is where I saw my husband first gathering wood and he looked magnificent or something. I don't know how <laughs> women think, but <laughs> basically all these memories, all these things, the forest is a part of the home. The town hall is a part of the home, but it has to start from one point where it is strong, where the hearth is, where the home is, where the family is, where you're able to just take a moment of rest reprieve from everything else that's weighing on you. Well, and when it's done right, the gods will come to you. You don't have to call to them, I guess. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. These people, they're, they're doing something that it, it's... I understand. I get it. But it's like begging somebody to come over versus just being so welcoming that they want to come over. You, you kind of get where I'm going with that? Well, yes, it's like... Uh well, like you actually had this uh, when you lived up in the UP, you'd have it would be hard to keep people from coming over. You'd be like, I just want some alone time. Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, it, it's like a, a family sitcom where all the friends keep coming in the back door. It's like, when did you get here? Uh, about an hour ago. But you didn't knock. I have to knock now. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is, is if we're doing it right, the gods will come to us. We don't. And we can name things after him. It's that's perfectly. Oh, we've fine. been doing that forever. Don't uh, do that. Thor's Thor's field, uh, Odin's Mount, Othan's but again, mountain. It's things like that. It's stupid to name something after Njord that's in I don't know the Arizona. middle of Arizona. Yeah, or um, uh, shoot, I can't think of another one. But I was going the opposite of a mountaintop, and they don't like mountains. They're actually like a valley god or something. Well, it would be like having a naming a dock after Scotty. She doesn't like the ocean. Right. Uh, let me see. Broggy's Hall for a bunch of mute people. Or worse, Broggy's Hall for slam poetry. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> that, so so you, you're all smart. That's why you've made it this far in. You're smart and you have an attention span. But you see where we're going with this is first, we have to build ourselves up. We have to heal. We have to make homes for ourselves. And then from homes for ourselves, we can help make homes for the community. We can build a community because we understand what home is. We have a home. Let's help other people have homes, not necessarily houses. Make them feel part of a community, part of something. Become something larger than yourself. Join the army, mm -hmm. except for don't join the army. <laughs> But that's that's the the, the idea that they well, militaries forever have used. Join something larger than yourself. Well, uh, we always want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. We want to leave a legacy. We want to be a hero. We want to be glorious. And, here, and here's the secret that has been kept from our people. We we have always been part of something larger than ourselves. We are part of an entire people. Well, it used to be like if you had uh, an area that grew wheat, everybody helped harvest the wheat. Mm -hmm. If you had an area that grew apples, everybody helped harvest the apples. Everybody helped press the apples because apples don't last very long. So you end up making apple yeah, cider. Anybody that's, that has even had a small garden understands there's a window of time of opportunity 
Oh yeah, to like fresh tomatoes things. exist for like a week out of the year, and then you basically have sauce and ketchup and whatnot. Pretty much. I mean, it, yes, you can mitigate it, but that's all that you're able to do. Or is uh, flax spinning, or fishing and fish drying, and all these things. These are community activities, right? And maybe not everybody would participate in. I don't know the flaxing of the flax. I don't know what's done with that. I know it's some type of grass. Um, uh, it's a flower, actually. Okay, a flower. I know it's some kind of plant. Yes. I, now I know it's a flower. I thought it was a grass. Um, but anyways, not everybody might necessarily deal with the flax itself. Some people might be playing music to entertain the people that's doing the flaxy flaxen. Some people might be gathering in food because they're going to have a, a festival for the flax harvest. There's more than just that particular hands-on, I guess. But it's a larger, more intricate beast. Well, and I guess that's the whole of it. And it's even noticeable in the names of the realms. Elf home. The entirety of the realm is the elf home. Mm -hmm. Or dwarf home or whatever. Same is here in our home. Our we're supposed to feel at home because we, we've made it ours. Right. Um, so, really, if your name is Stephen, you have. Do you have Stevenheim? Do you have? Would it be Hoff Stephen or Stephen Hoff? I think Stephen it'd Hoff. be Stephen Stephen Hoff. Stephen Hoff. Make it sound Norse. Yes. <laughs> make it sound more badass. Stephen Hoff. Um, if your name is Isabella, do you have Isabellaheim? Isabella Hoff? <laughs> or do you just have Isabella's wretched house, her wretched apartment? That sounds like a quirky children's book. It does. We, we need to make homes. We need to make homes for ourselves. And therefore, by extension, homes for each other. We need to learn to be, be welcoming. And this is actually how we'll end up. I don't want to say bringing the gods back, but bringing the gods back. Because the gods have never gone anywhere. They've been screaming at us for millennia. We just haven't been listening. Oh, and fighting for us that's actually in the lore. They'll actually pick fights yes, with the they, church. They've, in the lore, actually f- waging a war on our behalf. And we haven't noticed. What it is is we have to realize that these aren't figures of a romanticized past. They're part of our consistently mythic present. Yes. It's a never-ending story. And... I think we get caught up in the hustle and bustle, the rat race, as they say. Yeah. And we got to get out of the rat race and get into the rat heim. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, everybody, you know, cons- just consider, just consider the value of a home and what makes a home and try, just try, just try to make a home. You don't have to have the best furniture. Um, this, these things have been mentioned before like going into the humble little home with with not but a plank simple table and two chairs if you live by yourself have two chairs have two bowls two plates even if they're never used still have two why because a home is welcoming all right on that note i'm out of here so you guys i think it's next week yes well, and I'll just say Hyperborean Radio filmed in front of a live studio audience. But in all seriousness, it's not the stuff you have. It's the company you keep. Floor keeper out.